0: Welcome to another Hotel Analyst podcast and this week we've got something a little special for you as we have a a guest on the podcast. My name is Chris Bowne, I'm the editor at Hotel Analyst. I'm joined by Andrew Sangster, the editorial director of Hotel Analyst and this week especially by Joe Stather, VP Market Leader for Operational Real Estate at Questex. and we've asked Joe along for a chat uh, in the run-up to the International Hospitality Investment Forum which will be happening in May and I'm sure Joe will be telling us a little bit more about that more about that in in a few moments so welcome Joe thank you thanks for having me that's fine and we'll get Andrew to get in and ask you a few incisive questions off you go
1: <laughs> thanks very much Chris um, so Joe really I'd like to pick up um, start the discussion around uh, you recently had a week or so ago your hospitality investors investor council uh, which is a quarterly gathering of um, some of the heavy hitters in the sector um, investment wise um, and I was intrigued by uh, the, the report on that in terms of the squeeze of the mid-market and what's going on there perhaps you just outline um, what you heard. Sure yeah um, quite an interesting discussion I mean we've, we've heard for a, a lot of
0: years now that you've kind of got that squeezed middle market but um, it really came to light again in the most recent investor council meeting that that we had with a number of the, the kind of lead players across the investment space, if you like, um, really, I suppose, getting stuck into what they believe are the the threats facing the mid-market, particularly in the in the current climate. So, you know, from a, a top line point of view, I think what the investors were really getting at is that, you know, in the budget space, you've clearly got a very strong value proposition. And because you don't have that, that huge cost base and therefore the exposure to some of the inflationary headwinds, um, you're still in a, a pretty good place. And similarly on the luxury end, you know, that luxuries perform pretty well as we know coming out of, of COVID, it's got the pricing power. We know that the demand for luxury tends to be relatively resilient. So it's continued to perform. I think that the real concern around mid-market is that, you know, some of the the assets or the brand propositions in the mid-market are relatively inspiring, if you like, um, and certainly most of the mid-market hotels have a cost base which is is relatively large because they're they're full-service offerings, so they're bearing the full brunt of the inflationary headwinds. But without that real kind of value proposition that that engages the consumer, which enables them to drive revenue at least in line with with the inflation that we've seen over the last few months. So that the you know taking that a step further, the investors were kind of saying that historically you know, investors have continued to invest in the mid-market because we've had this continued kind of gradual decline in the cost of capital, which has meant that, you know, that that supported returns, even if the operating cash flows kicked out by mid-market hotels haven't been quite to the same extent that you've seen in other parts of the market. But now we're in a very different environment where we've got a much higher cost of capital. And their feeling is that, you know, without anything kind of major happening in the mid market that will will kind of accelerate this, this, what has been a a, a kind of slow death of the mid market. Um, And really then they were pointing to, you know, leveraging some of the lifestyle brands. And they felt this is where the lifestyle brands can really add value. It's it's taking those brands and putting them on some of the mid-market hotels to really make them much more appealing to the consumer. And also from an asset management point of view, a lot of these hotels are going to need some real reconfiguration because a lot of that Kind of corporate demand in particular, so that the transient corporate demand that was, you know, blue collar workers, for example, traveling up and down the country selling. Well, a lot of that has now been replaced through Zoom meetings. So, what can be done with that space to, to, to try and make, make those assets perform more strongly, certainly on a kind of per square meter income generation
1: um, perspective? Mm. I there's a couple of bits for me in there which I'd I'd love to unpick. I mean, I have to say, you know, I've been covering the sector for 30 years plus and you know we've, we've long talked about the death of the mid-market and you know um, you could wheel out the cliche the Mark Twain quote uh, it's been greatly the death's been greatly exaggerated and I don't think it's the case that actually that suddenly the mid-market segment is disappearing or the demand for the mid-market segment is disappearing um, and I think there's a couple of things happening um, the one is I think what you touched on um, uh which, which was this notion of the zombie company there we've got this this echelon of underinvested tired properties which has been kept alive um, for the last 13 14 years through very low interest rates um, all of a sudden um, you know with this increase in in interest rates um they are looking very vulnerable indeed and absolutely they they need a huge capital injection um And really, well, who's going to do it? I don't think anyone's going to do it. And finally, you know, these zombies are perhaps going to be dying off. And I think what what we're seeing, I I would make the distinction really between, and I think you're spot on with this luxury and lifestyle interpretation and the emphasis on that lifestyle piece. So you've got kind of full service in that lifestyle piece, but it's um, um, service which is geared around actually what you know customers want rather than the you know we always think about well the historic interpretation of hotel services around people in white gloves and uh you know the unveiling of your meal in front of you you know um what do you call that thing they put over the top of the um you know the 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 the, the big uh uh silver uh platter and you unveil it sort of in front of the the the, the 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 diner well that that bit's very much dying but there's different bits of experiential service. which is critical to providing that, which is what the lifestyle bit really gets. Um, At the other end, you've got the growth of Select Serve, um, which is and you know and, and really Premier Inn defined as a budget. Well, you know I think increasingly really it's it's very firmly in that mid market space. I, I think it's not a mid market um, experience in in many ways in terms of the quality of the rooms. Um, they're pretty big rooms you're getting um, for your money at a Premier Inn. Um, not bad F and B. I think that they could certainly tart up their F and B performance a bit better. That is one of their their weaknesses. But but you've got other offers out there. Motel One is a good example, um, again, which is in that kind of, uh, you know, I would suggest that's in that mid-market select serve piece. And that's very much, I think, where the growth bit and where the mid-market customer is going. And, you know, I mean, I, you know, at a personal level, I, I see myself very much as in that, that group. But, you know, you're not looking for that that, 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 that tired uh uh full service experience um you'd much rather go and have a newer more modern product um without perhaps somebody you know carrying your bag to your room and all this kind of nonsense um, which they don't do anymore anyway um but but you do get a better consumer experience within these uh economy brands the what we call them the budget brands um in the uk coming into the market and i think there is a distinction you know travel lodge i would suggest is going down the sort of ryan area sort of roots uh in, in terms of very quite basic levels um a premier in particularly motel one and even scandic i'd suggest um um very much in that select serve piece and you've got the select serve brands coming in from um, the likes of Hilton, Hampton you know done fantastically well and Marriott coming out with brands and Radisson coming out with brands in that piece and I think that's still the big growth and you know that that mid-market space is still going to be the dominant space um, as it always is across all really consumer facing industries Um, you've got the top end delivering um, that that experiential thing more acutely um, Um, and 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 being able to extract slightly higher margin for that so I I think that that would probably be my my take on it but uh, it's fascinating to hear how the the investors are seeing this and you know I do think what what, what's quite interesting I don't know what your take on this is but I think we're going to see more shakeout in the next two three years than we've seen in the last sort of uh 13 14 years actually in terms of the 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 number of businesses that kind of exit and the number you know the ones coming in um you know in terms of the change there so what was there much talk about mna and that kind of thing um, there, there wasn't a huge amount andrew truth be told but i think just picking
0: up on on that point you know i think what is also going to be a, a material driver and and not to go down an esg hole here but you know as there's more demand for for esg compliance both from the consumer but from a, a kind of legal point of view and also from an an investor and shareholder point mm-hmm. of view um you know if you think about the, the capex that's required on these, some of these mid-market hotels anyway, particularly those that, that have been around for quite a long time. But if we're going to see a period whereby for those that, that don't reinvent themselves, where there's this continual continual pressure on, on NOI and earnings as well, you kind of wonder where any of that required capex is going to come from to, to make these hotels compliant going forward. And I think that will be a, another significant drag, um, on these mid market properties and the appeal of them going forward, which again I think will kind of potentially accelerate their decline over the, the next few years. Mm-hmm. Um, I also want to just throw a phrase out there which I think aligns quite quite nicely with what you've just been discussing. And it's a, a David Bailey phrase from, mm-hmm. from my time at CBRE, but he said it's it's increasingly about not value for money, but value for experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he's absolutely spot on. And you, you mentioned some of the, you know, the, the Hampton by Hilton's, the Moxie by Marriott, for example, and, and even the new Holiday and Expresses and the way that they're configured now. And they do play much more to the experience of the traveler yes. albeit at that relatively kind of low price point um, and they're able to do to to kind of flex their their rate and their top line performance as well because they've they've got a, a product which is is a strong kind of proposition to the market it it does talk to experience it does offer experiences but you you're not lumbered with that big traditional cost base and like you said you know it's it's not the white glove treatment by any means but you don't have the costs associated with that um and i think that's a really interesting part of the market and i do think that's where mid-market if you like Will succeed and has the opportunity to to, to succeed, uh, but it's those more traditional kind of four star, three star brands that, yeah, with, without real change, I, I I think you know the, the future is going to be incredibly challenging.
1: Yeah and it's interesting your theme for IHIF this year is uh, fortune favours the, the bold which has that kind of thing well get on with it um, ladies and gentlemen you, you know you've, you, you've got the opportunity here to, to shake things up a little bit Let, let's get at it kind of thing which is what comes you know which, which is my take on that that sort of theme that you're putting forward so uh, and it's interesting I mean you know what, what you said in terms of that uh, investor council piece um, is very much what we're picking up is there's a great deal of hesitancy still about getting out there into the marketplace one or two players are but there's still you know what's happening with uh debt cost um and you've got this this standoff between sellers and buyers still um was there any discussion about that and and just let's broaden it out get your own take on that Mm.
0: yeah actually there there was quite a bit of discussion around that and and as part of the the whole kind of investor council initiative that we we have running here we also poll um the investor council members once a quarter to get their take on you know where they think Hotel demand is going in the future. How their strategy is kind of reacting to market conditions, and 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 ultimately where they think you know pricing is going to go, and how active they are in the market, how much dry powder they have to allocate. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we we know that there is as much dry powder in the market focused on hospitality as there ever has been. Um, you know, there's a lot of a lot of investors that have been sat on funds for quite some time and are, are really keen to deploy. Yes, in Q4, there was the, almost a bit of a doomsday scenario that investors were predicting with so much market volatility, rising interest rates and all the rest. I mean, it was just making underwriting almost impossible. Um, so to, to kind of not even entertain any of the expense around you know, getting into the nitty-gritty of underwriting a deal, most investors were simply kind of stood on the sidelines, waiting for things to settle down. We we have heard more recently, though, that most investors are now back out there in the market and are looking for opportunities. Um, the, the challenge really is more on the supply side. And I think, we all had a bit of a feeling that, you know, there's going to be a lot of refinances this year. We, we know that because of the deals that were struck five years ago and, and the typical length of term on a loan. Um, and clearly that will put some stress out there in the market because, you know, there's been some movement in values. Um, banks are more cautious than or lenders are more cautious than they they were historically and there's going to be a requirement for some owners to inject fresh equity not all will want to do that or will be able to do that and that may spin off some stock into the market um but you know more more broadly i think we were at a place where we thought deal flow might start to increase at the start of this year that's what we were hearing but now we we've We kind of all believe that inflation might have peaked and actually interest rates might start to come down well if you're not a forced seller um why wouldn't you hold out for a a fall in the overall cost of capital and conditions whereby investors might be able to pay more and hold on to your stock for another five six months or or maybe a year um so it'll be really interesting to see where things pan out on that basis and whether we do see those that that want to exit but aren't in a stressed situation whether they will kind of bring things to market or whether they will decide to hang on that little bit longer, in which case we could see, you know, frustrated buyers for a little bit longer yet. But but most definitely the appetite to acquire is back and most investors are now out there looking at deals
1: yeah I think there's a few things um, going on there the the first was we've got a generation of people at the front line at the moment who've never known anything other than sort of zero (laughs) zero interest rates frankly I mean obviously there's a there's a uh, you know interest rates basically they don't move so the the debt cost has been where it's been which is ultra low and historically ultra low level of debt cost and we've never seen any movement in that and so all of a sudden it starts moving and there's this mass panic oh my goodness this is a variable we've never normally had to put into our business plans you know changing debt costs what's this whereas you know a- anybody that uh, was you know pre 2007 <laughs> knows very well that, that interest rates do change um, and can change quite dramatically um I think you know once we've got a sort of level uh, um, where we're at um, in in terms of interest rates I think if anybody's expecting cost of capital to go down I think good luck with that actually because I don't see you know that there is some talk of um, you know maybe the UK will uh, come rates I don't think that's the case and we've just had the Bank of England, um, um, Andrew Bailey, um, talking about how actually we're probably still going to see interest rates just go up a touch more in the UK. Um, I think, given the strength we've had, those very strong um, labour statistics in the US, which suggests the Fed aren't going to be, uh, um, you know, holding back anytime soon. And I think, you know, even within uh, the eurozone, I, 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 I you wouldn't expect that. That the rate tightening cycle to end end quickly there either. So I don't, I, I don't really just don't think that's going to shift. I think the thing that is going to shift is that uh, um, we, we, we're going to see sellers recognise that actually, yes, if, if we've got an asset which we can't um, sort of reposition, um, we're going to have to sell at, 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 a, at a lower price. You know, th- today that same asset is worth significantly less than it was worth um, a year ago because the, the cost of debt's gone up and if nothing else has shifted, well, you know, you're, you're, you've you got a problem. Now, I think you've yep. got this change in terms of the income piece. Um, so you've got to look, probably price it on the back of 2019 numbers um, and go back and say, look, this is what we were making in 2019. And this was the value then. Well, you haven't got assets, um, which, you know, if, if all other things being equal, you've got to discount off that 2019 valuation. If, you're, if you've got nothing changing and you. Your debt cost is has gone up significantly, um, the, but where there is the potential to reposition, I think you are going to see more aggressive pricing from investors. And as you say, there is an element of being paid to deploy as well with this inve- these investors, so they will get more aggressive, I think, in their pricing. And there will be a meeting in the middle between that, but there will be a little bit. But we're not certainly not seeing the sort of discounting, as you know, we've said, and you know, and I mean, I know within. Um, you know on on, the various platforms that your conferences Joe that regularly said that we're not going to see a a mass discounting phase and I just don't see that coming coming up really so it's uh, it's um, but uh, I I guess just sort of uh, we're, we're getting towards the end of the the the, the podcast um, so I, I guess we'd sort of close in terms of just looking um, um, what you know that this the the investor community and I'd be interested on in your thoughts in terms of you know I my take on this is that we have got an unprecedentedly um, fantastic position as a hospitality sector um, and the broader, using your full title, the operational real estate sector, um, in that it's about it's all about relatives, uh, where you sit. So given meltdown in retail, meltdown in office, and even industrial, industrial was the worst performing sector last year, um, we are fantastically well positioned as the recovery kicks in um and we seem to be having more investors now wider investor base than we've ever seen and i'd just be interested in your take on that and what this might mean for for the sector going forward
0: yeah i mean you're you're absolutely right i mean even if we look look more broadly you know relative to kind of equities which is still incredibly volatile i think real estate still looks pretty attractive and that's what we're hearing from from most investors out there right now um within real estate, yep, yeah, absolutely. I mean, office is relatively challenging to, to predict. I think, you know, the nature in which people are gonna be working going forward still leaves a lot of question marks over that particular sector. And and retail is just inevitably challenged as it has been for, for quite some time now with the rise in e-commerce. Um, you know, logistics is, is Still in in relatively kind of strong demand as is as is residential, but um, you know certainly there has been a, a greater allocation of of that capital to be invested in real estate moved towards the operational asset classes, alternatives, and you know hotels as we know is the largest of the alternatives. It's relatively transparent. Uh, we've got some great data providers in our sector which have really helped mm. to professionalise hospitality. Um, and there are an increasing number of, of institutions that are moving into our space having never invested in hospitality before. And I think, you know, also there's a lot more actors in our space now that, that institutional funds can partner with as well to, to further understand the opportunities and risks in the sector. And, you know, there I'm speaking to some of the asset management firms and, and the third party operators, for example, and we've we've seen, you know, Schroeder's Via Algonquin, for example, we've seen LNG partner with with Aimbridge on deals, um, and I think that's that's definitely going to continue going forward.
1: Yeah, very very exciting period, I think, for the sector. So, very much looking forward. To remind us of the dates of IHIF this year. Yep, so IHIF this year is going to be
0: on the fifteenth to the seventeenth of May. Um, as you know that the theme is fortune favors the bold we've got some great speakers that are coming to share their experience of really doubling down on hospitality um at this particular point in in the market cycle uh, which i think is going to be incredibly exciting and you know just coming back to the conversation we had about about more capital moving into hospitality and, and that's certainly what we're seeing at the moment in terms of the delegates and the speakers that are going to be joining us in berlin in may there, there are a number of new large institutional funds and some kind of smaller players that have, have raised equity and are looking to deploy in hospitality that are, are going to be joining us either you know well probably for, for the networking for the education and 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 all the rest that, that IHIF delivers on perennially
1: super looking forward to seeing you there Joe and thanks you Andrew us, thanks for joining us today cheers thank you